Hello, and welcome to Everything Acting Podcast. We come to you from the capital of the world, New York City. My name is Darby Worley, and I'm hosting solo this week, as Roz is off in Charleston making a movie. Um, I have as my guest this week, Hank Bedford, uh, director, writer, uh, multiple career positions in the industry, hyphen it. Um, he, his film Dixieland, starring Faith Hill and a bunch of other awesome people, um, premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival a couple of months ago. Um, so I am super excited to bring him onto the show. This is another one of those Equinox interviews, so you will hear some background noise, but just ignore that and enjoy all the awesome things Hank has to say. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Welcome back. You're listening to Everything Acting Podcast. My name is Darby Worley, and I'm joined now by Hank Bedford, director of an upcoming film starring Faith Hill called... Dixieland. 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 So welcome to the show. Thank you. So this is your first big directing job, right? It is. All right. So yeah. ta- we'd like to start at the beginning. Okay. So tell the people how you got started. How did you... Well, even before that, how did you know you wanted to be an artist? I, I knew that I wanted to make movies when I saw E.T. and I was probably seven years old. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to kind of take the leap and move to L.A. And I don't know, you know, I think everybody has like a different route to becoming a director or an actor for that matter you know it's the kind of industry where education isn't necessarily important or vital so I always just thought a good thing to do would be to move to LA and work for some of my favorite directors Mm -hmm. and so I was lucky enough to meet David O. Russell and he hired me to be his assistant on a movie called The Fighter and it ended up being a great experience and a great movie and and it was just the response to it was amazing, and so it was kind of a dream come true to work on a movie like that and have it be the first thing. So that how did you get that job? Like how did? And when you say assistant, what, what were you, like an assistant director or assistant to like what kind of assistant? I wasn't an, an assistant director. I was David's assistant. So okay. the you know the that first AD on a movie is a different job, and they logistically run the show. So they schedule the movie and they plan everything out, and they plan all the meetings and they. They literally schedule the movie from as far as dates go, but also as far as locations. Go. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest. The, the guest who's coming up right before you um, is at first AD, so yeah. they will have heard some of that stuff. I think that's a really it's that's a hard job. It's so tough, and it's but it is a completely different job. I, you know, for me, it was I was lucky enough being David's assistant that I was involved in everything as far as the logistics, but also creatively. I mean. Mm-hmm. I was next to him for everything, which was really, really, really... Now, he's kind of had a reputation of uh, first being... <laughs> <laughs> like, anybody who has a YouTube account has probably has probably seen some of that, of his fiery um, style, I guess. What was that like for you, being the one who's working so close to him? It's really tough, but he's... Uh, I, I think that he gets a bad rap. He's He certainly wears his heart on his sleeve and um, is very, like, human and very... Um, he's very emotional and... and has some ups and downs, but but that's also part of the beauty of him, and it's mm-hmm. it's what makes him such a great director, you know. And uh, every director I've ever worked for has been completely different, but he certainly is the most kind of emotional. He's a, he's the most in touch with his emotions, mm-hmm. which I think is really uh, serves him well with actors. He's able to relate with actors really well. Yeah, I think actors should actually watch that footage <laughs> to see what it is like when somebody absolutely just like. 
honestly loses their shit. <laughs> but so how did you meet him? Uh, I worked on this movie called Nailed. It was uh, I was a post PA on this movie called Nailed that never came out, and it had an amazing cast, and it was kind of devastating. It was Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Jessica Biel and Tracy Morgan and Paul Rubens, and David wrote it with Kristen Gore, uh, who's a friend of mine, and uh, it it I think we shot. 32 of 34 days and ran out of money and it's never been released uh, and and I think that I, I just read something that it's going to be released in um, in England this year but not in America interesting <laughs> so, so you got that job just through the regular channels and then you met him that way exactly yeah. yeah a friend of mine introduced me to this guy named Bob Lambert that was the editor of that movie and we were editing in Burbank and I met David that way and then when the fighter came up he he asked me to go with him to Lowell, Massachusetts, and it was uh, amazing. It was a fantastic. And Christian is so amazing. I've worked on two movies with Christian and Mark Wahlberg. All those guys were amazing. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah. So, so you were just soaking up like how to be a director. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was there were so many times that it, I, you know, I, I started a little late, so it it felt a little bit, you know, it was really tough to kind of like do. There's it involves many, many. Tasks and uh, and but the reward is that you are there for all the important creative decisions. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're big fans of kind of encouraging actors to create their own work. And so, can you just talk a little bit about what, like, what's the process when you when you um, once you learned that you were going to be directing this film? Like, what was your process from start to finish? Like, how does it work? How like what's the? Um, I. I wrote this movie. I've been wanting to make it for a really long time, like about ten years or, or a little bit more. And uh, I probably wrote it over two years. Oh, I know you wrote it too. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I wrote it, you know, about forty drafts over two years, and uh, and I worked on this movie called Foxcatcher, which is out now. And I was Bennett Miller's assistant on that movie, and uh, and then they promoted me to associate producer. So it was a really big deal for me and Annapurna who produced that movie, Megan Ellison and Chelsea Barnard who are, Chelsea became a really good friend of mine and uh, and she gave the script to a friend of hers named Riley Keough and uh, Riley really liked it and I flew to LA and I met her and she was the first person that really responded to it and she introduced me to her agents and her manager and I had uh, some friends that were agents at CAA through Bennett. Bennett's mm -hmm. agent helped me a lot, and we uh, they they just got the ball rolling and they took it really seriously because Riley vouched for me and wanted to be a producer on it, and so it just like snowballed from there. And and her manager Thor Bradwell uh, introduced me to a guy named Chris Zilka, who's the lead in the movie, and then Riley was attached, and then. Faith really came on board later, and it was a situation where I moved to Jackson, Mississippi without all of the money and without the cast intact, and I just kind of like committed to it, and I feel really lucky that it worked out the way yeah. it did, because it could have been a catastrophe. Was it a condition for you to be the director for the movie to get made? Did you feel very quite strongly about that? Yeah, it, it wouldn't have happened any other way. I mean, we, I, we raised, like... $750,000 and so we did all of that work as well you know we, we raised the money and 
attached the cast, and uh, and it was always with me as a director. I wouldn't make it without doing that. It was. I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit too old to to not just be jumping in with both feet. So I wasn't gonna compromise that. Yeah. Yeah. How did you raise the money? Um, there was about six different individuals. Um, two of them, three of them, really close friends and family, and then and then and then a producer that came on board raised another hundred and fifty thousand through another individual, and then a hedge fund guy. It just it just all kind of came into place, especially in. But was it like friends and family of yours, or was it? A, a, you know, half and half. Yeah. You know, and then when Faith came on board, it really became a lot easier, and sure. it was really nice. You know, we did it. It's an extremely like cheap movie. Not you know, and I, I I just mean that like we had a list talent from the DP who I just think is extremely talented and could be shooting fifty million dollar movies easily. And you know, we got a free camera package from a friend of mine, so we got it. Panavision gave us a free camera and all the lenses, which is like thirty thousand dollars. And uh, so for three weeks, we shot we shot eighteen days. Wow! <laughs> I just feel like you're gonna have such a big hit on your hands because it's seriously, Faith Hill has that whole other audience that she's just it's just gonna be automatic. I know. I mean, you know, she, you know and not to mention, I, I think you're right, but also she's just like phenomenally talented. I mean, yeah. she is so good at movies. What's the movie about? Give us the elevator pitch. Yeah, it's about a guy that gets out of jail, and he lives in a trailer park in Mississippi, and he falls in love with a girl next door, played by Riley, and she's in trouble, and she needs to raise some money quickly, and he decides to help her out, and it kind of all goes wrong. He's, uh, he's, He's into these kind of drug deals with his friends, and he tries to make a little bit of quick money and it goes south. Okay, that sounds awesome. Um, is it is it dark? Is it, it is, yeah. yeah. Faith plays his mom yeah. and, you know, she's a single mom and it's, yeah, you know, it's it's in the vein of true romance and hustle and flow and this movie I really love called Gummo and, yeah, uh, yeah it's dark but I think that it's also beautiful. Just the photography's beautiful and, and uh, yeah, it's a good What made you want to write? Like, where where did the movie come from? Like, what is that part of your past? Where yeah. are you from the south? Like, I am. I'm yeah. from Nashville. I grew up with these. I grew up being one of these kids. I mean, it was kind of kids growing up in middle class neighborhoods, getting in fights and smoking weed and selling drugs and mm-hmm. listening to rap music. But you know, and, and this world was just fascinating to me because it's you know it's kids that listen to rap music but hunt on the weekends and dip tobacco. I don't know, it's just like, I don't know that it's necessarily, this world has been explored in a way that I thought was fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your relationship with your actors. What what kind of director would you say you are? Are you hands-on? Do you let people have rope? Like, what's your your style? Well, I mean, you know, I've worked with so many directors that have completely different styles, Um, Mm -hmm. but we, uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote it, and so we would go into every scene, and I would say, we figure it out. It, it's um, it's really, to me, it was really important that the actors feel comfortable saying the words and didn't feel bound by them. So 
literally the first five takes are us figuring out what sounds right and what feels right blocking wise and normally by the end everybody's doing a completely different thing um, and it's really difficult it's a difficult thing to do uh, because as a director, I think that you have to have you have to maintain a little bit of control over the situation, and it's a fine line because, you know, I think what differentiates television in general from film is is you kind of it's a, television's a writer's medium, and you kind of stick to the script, and it's a lot easier to edit. It's a lot quicker of a process, and we're editing this movie right now, and it takes a longer time to edit because we have performances all over the place. I think it's really important to get big performances and to get medium performances and to get small performances and to have options and that's the that's something that I really learned from David and Bennett. The both of those guys are really, really, really smart and like to create plenty of options. Yeah. So you editing. do a lot of takes? Yeah, you know, some more than others. I think the most we did was 23, mm-hmm. and the least we did was maybe five. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Have you done any acting yourself? Have you... uh, not really. Yeah. A little bit, but not really. I mean, I don't think, it's just not what, something that I'm passionate about, but I, I the, you know, I love to create that environment where they feel safe and that... So how do you do that? <laughs> um... You know, I think it's important that they feel like their input is valued and that, you know, a lot of times we clear the set while we're figuring it out, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's, we, there's a strip club in this movie and so Riley does a little bit of dancing and so we would clear the room and we would do the blocking and, and, and you know, I think, I think also it's, you really should shoot as much as you can with nobody in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... There's always a tendency for like people to hang around, <laughs> and I, yeah, it's it's a lot easier when nobody's the crew's not around. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about uh, your casting process. Once you had the big names attached, like what was your casting process for the smaller parts? Um, we had extra casting in Jackson, and we did a casting call, and we got literally everybody that was not flown in. Uh, even even speaking parts were local to Jackson, and that was partially because that's all we could afford. And and but also there was amazing talent there. I, it's the kind of movie that like really lends itself to having natural. We had a lot of non actors in the movie. But, that's the same story with the fighter too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, weren't all a bunch of those sisters? Like real a lot sisters? of them were. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a there's maybe two actors in there and two or three actors, and then three of them were local girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we had Riley's mom in the movie was just somebody that lived in the trailer park and she was amazing. Yeah. Extremely authentic. So do you approach um, a, a non-actor? I mean, they're all actors once they're in the movie, right? But somebody who hasn't acted professionally before, do you approach that person differently than you would somebody with lots of, you know, a resume? I would have said no, but as soon as I thought about it, I guess I'm a little bit a little bit more sensitive with them, you know, with somebody like Chris Zilka, he's, he's the lead and he's this amazing kid, uh, an amazing guy, and he's in The Leftovers uh, right Who's now. Who's he playing The Leftovers? He's uh, the son, he's blonde-haired oh, yeah, son. He's, he's great. Yeah, yeah he's great. He, uh, I, I could be so, I guess, tough with him, you know, I mean, I can just, 
ask him to do something and he just does it every time and it's really amazing and impressive he like gets it and he does it and I don't have to like sweet talk him <laughs> you know and um, and but somebody like uh, Rachel's mom in the movie uh, Riley's mom in the movie the character's name is Rachel uh, was uh, you know you just like just there was no directing involved except to just ask her to say the lines as she would and uh, <laughs> and she knocked it out of the park. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so back to your casting process, did you hire a, casting, a local casting director in Jackson? Or did yes. You, did you do How did you do that? Um, w- there was a guy named Ward Emling who is the Mississippi State Film Commissioner and he, literally the film community is not large in Jackson so there was one guy yeah. <laughs> and he was amazing. He was yeah. amazing. Uh, he he did everything exactly as he promised, and he had a big turnout, and it was really exciting. Were you aware? What, what, what was your level of involvement in that? Did you did you did he put people on tape for you to see? Or did you? I saw. Uh, I went to the first casting call. Uh, I you know I think that the extras I saw on tape, even though I stopped by for the taping, and then the. All the speaking roles, I went to the readings and we taped them and then we made decisions. Yeah. Uh, I don't even I don't even think we had callbacks. Is we that just, the first time you've done, been in, a, in on a casting session? No, I've we I've done those on all the movies okay. that I've worked on. Yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, the 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 talent was phenomenal. It was great. It was uh, it was you know a six hundred thousand dollar movie or whatever it was is not a lot of money. So. Yeah. You count on people to be uh, enthusiastic and <laughs> want to come out and work for yeah. nothing, and it was, it was great. What makes you happy in a casting session, and what kind of like makes you uncomfortable, or what do you wish actors would do differently? Like the good points and bad points. You know, I, that's a good question. Um, I mean, somebody like Chris, I read Chris, who's the lead. And, I mean, he can just do, he literally, I, you know, I know this is a, it, it sounds crazy, but he's just down for whatever, you know? It's like, he, he was, I tend to kind of like somebody that will go with the flow and do whatever, and, um, you know, I, for me, casting as well as on set, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, and it's not necessarily one where even the takes that you're doing or the readings that you're doing are correct. Like, I, I think that there's, I think there's a, something that, that people kind of don't think too much about, but it's sometimes a, a journey to get to the right place. And a lot of times that, that involves doing takes and readings that, that aren't relevant, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that anybody else has experienced, but like, Chris, we, you know, even in his reading, I asked him to do things that weren't really relevant to the character, and it really warmed him up. He, he's very in touch with his emotions, so I found that, like, getting him very emotional and then asking him to play the scene straight was amazing. It had, he was, like, brimming with kind of goosebump-inducing under-the-surface emotion, and so I don't know if that answers your question but like he in his read in front of the camera whatever it was that he 
was doing whatever scene he was doing he was able to tap into that underneath the surface to like lend the performance a certain amount of weight and mm-hmm. you know there's just a difference between somebody that is reading lines and somebody that literally is on the verge of tears or panic or whatever it may be yeah I think it's about I think it's about and, we, we, and other people have brought this up this is not an original thought but it's about being in a space where you're actually thinking the thoughts of that person yes so that you're just you're just behaving in totally. front of a camera totally you know and it's not that you're not you're not saying lines or thinking about how should I say this how should I it's actually right. because because as you and I are sitting here talking yeah. I'm not thinking how should I say this thing yeah, how should right. I, you know you're just talking about it trying to get your point across totally. or trying to get my question answered or, or whatever it's totally. a different it's yeah it's a completely different absolutely and experience. all of these guys I, there's a guy in the movie named Brad Carter from True Detective and he is just the best he's the best at it that I've I've ever, I mean, you know, there's famous people, famous actors that are obviously better and, and people that I've seen do it, but in a way that, like Christian Bale, you know, he's, he's so f- phenomenal and, and Brad is very much like that. He's, he just can, like, turn it on and I don't know, it's really beautiful to watch. Mm. So what's your advice for people, a lot of people who listen to this show are either quite young mm-hmm. or people who are considering getting back into the business after a break or trying to decide if they want to kind of mm-hmm. leap into the pool. Mm-hmm. What are the questions that you would advise people to ask before they make a decision about whether or not to try to become an actor? So like, the, like what, what are the, the boxes that should be ticked off in your mind? Yeah, I think there's one and that is if you're going to do it with all of your focus and energy. I mean, that, that, look, I don't consider myself a writer or a director, you know, but I had to make that leap, and it's the exact same thing. I mean, are you going to take it seriously as a job and only do it as a job and quit anything else that might impede it and I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's a tendency to be have the wrong motivations to be an actor or a director or to be in the industry. And so, I guess, are your motivations pure? Is it what you passionately want to do, no matter what? And are you willing to not dip your toe into the water, but jump in with both feet? And I mean, and be willing to fail. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that we got lucky by this all coming together, but. Um, it's it it doesn't seem like it's the worst thing in the world to fail as long as you give it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think I would say take a year of your life and only do that. Quit your other job and figure out. I mean, I think in your in your life, which is going to last somewhere around eighty something years, you can sacrifice one year to see if this is truly your calling. <laughs> yeah, so you did take a big leap when you just really packed up and moved to L.A. First of all, how old were you when you did make I was older than, you know, I'm 37, so I was like 27 or 26 yeah. or something like that, yeah. And so did you have a backup plan, or, what, or did you just go out there and no. just assume that you would find, find work? Yeah, yeah, I just uh, couldn't imagine another day of working a regular... I don't know, I was just completely unhappy and uh yeah Yeah. depression is a driving force for some yeah i mean i was just unhappy with the way things were going and i couldn't imagine doing it for 20 more years and i don't know just whatever the reason that is i just wanted to leave i had only lived in nashville my whole life so i wanted to like 
go see what it was about. And I don't know. I don't think that there's anything particularly special about me. So I think anybody can do it. You know, it, it does take like these incremental risks. I think like risk taking is uh, underrated. <laughs> you know, it's the best thing you can do yeah. with your life. Your life doesn't seem that important to me. Like that's the way yeah. I think about it. And so, like I think it's people play way too safe. That they're willing to kind of uh, trade off, like, oh, I can make a certain amount of money. That's too much to give up, which I just think is. Yeah. Did you have some lean times? Did you have like? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I still do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's worth it. It's. I think it's a. It's more fun, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think like it's very complicated. I. I, I look at. I never. I was never anybody who wanted to be famous or super rich because it seems like it just. It seems so complicated. Totally. You know, I definitely don't want to be famous. Totally. Like being famous sounds sounds like a hellish. Totally. I mean, I. You know, I think that it's. I'm fairly. I do. People think that I'm reckless with it. I don't know. I just. I don't. Those things. I don't really like spend too much time thinking about. I don't have health insurance and stuff like that. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. don't. I just don't like think about it <laughs> too much. <laughs> like every year just keeps going by and somebody tells me I'm supposed to get it and then I like don't yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that makes me nervous. <laughs> um, see, I know Hank from, uh, as you may be able to tell, this is another Equinox interview. I know Hank from class and I can, I, can, I can say just from watching you in the room, I can tell a lot about people by how they work yeah. in the studio and you are like balls out all the time, <laughs> totally committed and I would be shocked if that was not the way you approached your work as well. Oh yeah, I love, I mean, it's, uh, I love it. I love the like idea of just leaving it all on the floor, like making a movie in particular. Bennett, uh, who I worked for on Foxcatcher, is just, I've never seen anybody work that hard in my life. He's, it's so inspiring. And he, uh, every one of those movies, I mean, Capote and Moneyball, I mean, Moneyball, I think, was a pretty long shoot. Man, he just like, he can work 19 hours a day pretty yeah. regularly. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, any other um, final thoughts or advice for our young actors out there? Yeah, like I said, I don't know. You know, I think that uh, that's what, uh, I think that if it's something you really, really, really want to do, I, 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 I would do it. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't waste one moment thinking about it if it's not. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like that. Just like anything else, I can't. It just seems like a complete waste of time if you want to like dabble. I, I don't know. I just, you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know if that is answers your question at all. But I, I mean, if you really, really, you know, if it's something that grabs you and won't let you go, I think that's like something like Christian. You know, I think that that's how it is with him. He can't do anything else with his life, or it would like destroy him. <laughs> yeah. well, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, Hank Bedford, Dixieland. When, where can people find out about the movie? Do you have a website up yet? Or? I do not. Yeah, but I'm hoping that you know we're going to finish it early next year, and then it will be we're, we're going to some sort of festival. Um, yeah. I'm not. I, I, I don't like handle those yeah. things yeah. very well. I just don't know what. As soon as it's done, I, I think we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll let you know, guys. We'll let you know when it is launching. I mean, we can get one of the actors or Adam to come on the show too. Absolutely. Um, when it gets ready, when you're ready to launch Absolutely. the film, when it releases. All right, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back.